This is episode 43 of the Chicken Charge podcast with host and CEO of All-in-One Security, Mary Parker. Mary's guest today is Tiffany Cochran, daughter of the famous lawyer who defended O.J. Simpson, Johnny Cochran. Tiffany has some incredible stories to tell. An accomplished television anchor and public relations expert, Tiffany Cochran is a chicken charge in her own right. Welcome to the Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the Chicken Charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Good morning and welcome to the Chick in Charge podcast. This is Mary Parker, CEO of All-in-One Security, and I'm here with Sarah Smith, President and CEO of Solution Road. You just made me sound so important. You are so important, Sarah, <laughs> especially you, to us here on the podcast. We love I love the podcast. Thank and you. In this holiday season, I just want to tell you, Mary, um, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. Thank you, Sarah. And if you keep, if you carry on like that, we'll have another party. Yes. More <laughs> presents. Yes. <laughs> More yes. wreaths Thank to send. You. Thank you so much, Port, for being here. And today we have with us our special guest. Miss Tiffany Cochran. Hello. Tiffany, I'm so excited that we are finally face-to-face -face here. Thank you. And Mary. today we're going to talk about you. Many people, when they hear the name Tiffany Cochran, will immediately refer to you as the daughter of Johnny Cochran. But as I read your bio and all the other great things that you've done, Today, I declare that you are indeed a chick in charge. So <laughs> welcome, you. welcome, Agreed. welcome to this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm so glad to be here. I feel honored that you all would have me, and I'm excited to share my my insights and experience with you all. Terrific. Well, Thank I tell you. you what, I want you to go right in and begin sharing some of those wherever you'd like to start. Absolutely. Well, I have been in Atlanta. I moved here right after the Olympics in 1997. And I came here to um, do the news. I was a news anchor and reporter for WXIA, uh, the NBC affiliate here. And I loved being here. Atlanta was just the pinnacle for me. And I loved doing the news here. And I stayed there for 11 years. And it was great. Um, I got married and I had a baby and I thought, before I had my baby, I thought, hmm, I guess I'm in a position to make some, make some changes because I really wanted to be a hands-on mother. And so I made the decision to leave my career and focus on her. So when she was about two years old, I thought, okay, well, she's, you know, has a wonderful foundation, great start, what's next for me? And I think what I really want your listeners to focus on is there's never just one act in a woman's life. Amazing. Because everyone said, if you leave the news, what else are you going to do? <laughs> that's what your degree is in. That's, and I thought, oh, that's a good question. But I decided that I would use my skills and kind of um, merge my family business, which is law offices, right. law firms, 
And I had no desire to be a lawyer. I've never had a desire to be a lawyer. But I know that in today's climate, everyone needs marketing. Everyone needs to hone in on what their branding um, is. So I decided that I would be the communications director for the Atlanta office and um, came back into the work workforce. And I, I started there and I've been there for the last 10 years now. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. And you said something that's very uh, key with many people, especially career, career focused people. Mm -hmm. They believe and I experienced that I grew up working at General Motors and decided I wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. My family was devastated. Sure. How can you leave this great job at General Motors? Right. Well, like you said, though, I understood that it was a lot more to me than working in the manufacturing industries. Right. And I wanted to explore that. And so I congratulate you that even though at the top of your career, you were able to walk away from that because you wanted to explore more. Sure. So we're going to encourage our listening audience today that there is not there is more to what you're doing than what you're doing if that is what you want to do. Absolutely. And you know, you have to have a plan in place. I would never suggest someone just says, oh, I'm gonna leave my job, bye bye. You have to know exactly what your skill set is and what makes you happy and where your passions are. And I think when you can kind of merge all of that, and I knew that I needed flexibility as a, as a, a new mom. Um, I knew that I wanted to be available and I wanted to be involved in her schooling, all of that. So I think you, you kind of have to put all those pieces into, um, into, into play and figure out what's best for you and your family. But I, I did always know that there's something more for me out there. That is an excellent point as well. And it's creating a new mission. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, many times we think that we only have a mission when we're creating a business or something else. Mm -hmm. But we, you, we can also create that mission for our own personal uh, career paths as well, or whatever it is that, that we're aspiring to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Um, when my father died, I was really driven to protect his legacy. And as I mentioned, I have no desire to be a lawyer, but I knew that his legacy was much more than the law. Philanthropic, um, all kinds of things in the community, and these are the, the, the areas that I can bring, having been a member of the Atlanta community for 10 years and strengthening his law firms. And so now I can do that for all 22 offices. Wow, so I was able to that grow. Is amazing. Yeah, we started in amazing. Atlanta and then grew to other other cities. That's brilliant. And the brand is the same. Each office has, um, you know, every it has different um, things that we have to focus on, but well, customer service is always going to be number one for any of the the um, offices. And so now, as the brand man, the national brand manager, and the public relations director, I make sure that our clients are happy. And if they're not happy, it's my job to find out why they're not happy and to fix it. Well, you know, at some point, I would love for my daughter to speak with you. Sure. Because she lives in Houston now, mm. and that's one of the things she's really, really. Finally, thank you, Lord, uh, <laughs> becoming interested in, and that is preserving her mom's legacy. Absolutely. And we're opening an office in Houston. Yes. Whereby she was, she's been here for the last few days, really coming in and understanding the way that we do business now, mm -hmm. because she did work with the company years ago. She's very, very excited. She now understands 
that Mary Parker really is her mother as well. <laughs> right. Right. That's so, awesome. So, and to that point, how were you impacted as a child growing up, and especially a girl, under the the um, under the the, the visibility mm-hmm. of a Johnny Cochran? a name that was so strong in the industry. Talk to us a little bit about being that child. Sure. That's a great question. Yeah, that's Mary. an awesome question. Yeah. I think I was blessed because my father, um, he, I never felt growing up as a daughter I was lacking for anything. He encouraged um, all of his children. I have a sister and a brother. He encouraged all of us to pursue our dreams. And I remember when I told him I wanted to be a journalist, he was like, that's an absolute perfect job for you because I was a real nosy kid always had to know everything first had to interview everybody in the family and I think um the story's kind of been out there but when I was eight years old my dad my parents got divorced and my dad would um you know have us on the weekends and one day we were traveling down Sunset Boulevard in um, Los Angeles and he was pulled over by the police and it was just so strange because at that point he was assistant district attorney wow. of Los Angeles wow. County, highest ranking African American in the um, in the organization. And to my I didn't know anything that he had done that he would deserve to be pulled over. So I had a lot of questions, and I'm thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, you know, the officer has my dad on the sidewalk, he's handcuffed. I'm like, what is going on? And my brother is in the car with me, we're in the back seat, and you know, he's crying hysterically, and I'm like, I have questions. I need to wow. know what, you know. What's going on and here? What's going on? And so after that experience, my dad said, yes, you need to be a journalist because you need to get to the root of everything. And it's yes. so funny, there was um, that FX series a few years back, um, um, did a did a you know did the whole O.J. Simpson piece right, right. and that scene was depicted. You know, I remember that. Mm-hmm. It I wasn't remember. quite the way it right, was, right. but it was based <clears throat> yeah. based on that event. It was the people, according to yes, you. yeah, yes. That's a, that was really well done, actually. It was well done. At first, I, I kind of thought they took a lot of liberties, but I did commit to watching it, and I thought they did a great job. It was yes. entertaining, yeah, for sure. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. But that was that was really the incident that shaped my life to see that and this was in the 70s yep to know that you know wow I love it I love it and I'm sure sometimes when you begin asking those questions in your family and community people just don't expect that Mm -hmm. especially when we're young I was that kid as well Mm -hmm. very very curious wanted to know everything my mom and dad, everybody would say, you know, girls are to be quiet and mm-hmm. seen and not seen heard. Seen and heard, yes. And I always made sure that it was the opposite with me. Oh, you, yes. I want to be heard. And even to the point of my mom, I can remember my mom saying to me so many times, you know, I, I would ask the question, but why? Right. And she'd said, she'd always say, because I said so. Right. And I would go, but mom, you didn't say anything. Right. What are you saying? Yeah, what are you saying right. and here? I used to think as a mom, I can't wait to say that. And I don't even say it because first of all, it makes no sense. No. And then it's like, okay, there's just really no, there's no weight in it. And my daughter would never go for that. She is, she's like, oh, no, no, no. I need to know why, <laughs> where, when. I need, I need the whole gamut of everything. But I think when you teach your children, especially your daughters, to use their voice. You have a voice. So I'm teaching my daughter, she's 10, 
raise your voice, use your voice. Yes. You weren't put on this earth to just be in the corner. People need to hear from you. Yes, yes. So, you know, I have no doubt that this next generation of girls, it's she's empowered. She's been empowered from the womb is what I tell her. I love it. And same, is, you're, you're absolutely correct. The next generation will make a huge difference mm-hmm. in terms of this woman movement and all of that we're doing and setting the stage for them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, one of the things I want to also say is, women in business, mm-hmm. women in professional careers, do you believe that we would gain more confidence if we were prepared to ask more questions? Absolutely, I, I do believe that. Uh, the other thing, I, you have to encourage the daughters and you know your little nieces to think outside the box. Let them know, you wanna be a chemist? You can be a chemist. My daughter loves perfume and I'm like, listen, you could you create could your own line. Create your own. She's you know she has her little kits. She um do does she does all of that. That's very But I tell cool. her I'm like yeah you know what I want her to be like a little STEM superstar because for me when I was in third fourth grade I was so intimidated by math. Right. So I had to go in a different direction. I was scared. I could add. I could subtract. <laughs> and my mom was like, well you're just not very good at it, and that's okay. But I tell my daughter, you are good at it. Right. You are a STEM super. You can do anything. Technology, whatever you want to do, you can do it. That is And so, she embraces it, and yep. she loves it. And that's the key. That is so interesting. You're also teaching your daughter to, to have a competitive spirit as well. Yeah, not, not in a, you know, because I always have to tell her, you know, it's boys are, you know, are assertive which is the, the positive spin on it. And girls are aggressive, which is the negative spin right? on it. And it doesn't have to be that way. You know, if you want something, you should go after it. Well, I was that very, very competitive little girl. Mm-hmm. I'm a 50s baby. I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I always watched, I watched the boys, and it's probably because of the time that I was born as well, but I watched the boys. They had more freedom than we did. Right. And whatever they did, I, that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've ended up in a, in a male-dominated industry. Every profession, everything I do mm-hmm. is male-dominated. Mm-hmm. And for those reasons, one, I find, and, and ladies, please listen to me clearly, I find that we have so much power right. that we suppress. Right. We suppress because people, we've taken the perception of what people think and will say about the activities and actions that we perform as it being our reality, but it is not our reality. What do you have here? Okay, now this is gonna sound crazy, (laughs) but this is something that I have always kind of had as my, my theme in my life. And it says, you had the power all along, my dear. And um, I found this, and I, this is in my office, and I took it down to bring to you, because what it what it taught me early on is, a lot of times we don't think we have any power. No. We think, oh, you know, when I first started out in news, I worked in Augusta, Georgia, right out of college. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like 22 years old. My boss was like, I know you really don't know what you're doing, but we're gonna hire you and you can grow here. And I thought, gosh, you know, I have no power here. but. it it became clear to me that, yes, I have power. You know, my power is I'll work harder than anyone at this news station. I may not have the experience, but I have the energy because I'm 22 years old. And you can put me in any shift, and I can do anything. 
and I can learn. And the best thing is you can make your mistakes right. because that's where you want to make them. You right. certainly don't want to make them in a city like Atlanta where your viewership is in the millions. But I learned we always have choices. We always have power. And I wish somebody had told me that earlier. Wow. And to that point, let's talk about that. What are some of the things today that, looking back on your life, that you wish someone had told you when you were much younger? That it's okay to start at the bottom. I think sometimes the millennials think, okay, I'm going to start at the top. But it's better to start at the bottom because then you know you're working yourself all the way to the top. You've put in the sweat equity, and you've earned this. You deserve every achievement. Uh, and it's you okay know, to be at the bottom. you know the whole spectrum oh, right. of of work too. Absolutely, you know everybody's job. Yeah, if you skip, yeah. If you skip things, yeah. you're you gonna can't. miss so much in the middle. Yes, and I so appreciate you bringing that point forth, Tiffany, because. Sure. It, I observe that within my organization oh, today. Yeah. And I'm sure you're coming from GM. I can't even imagine. Because everyone's going to say, oh, how did she get here? You know, her last name, her face, her whatever. There's always going to be something that someone is going to say to try to figure out how you got that position. But when you start at the bottom, no one says anything because they're no like, well, thing. I don't want to do that job. So Absolutely. good for her. Yeah. And, you know, so that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, there's just no getting around hard work. I think that's the most important thing my dad said to me is you have to put in the work, you know, and, and you have to treat people with respect. Regardless to the duties they're performing. Oh, yes. It is so important because I know uh, we'll use General Motors as an example, and then I'll share with security. You talked about asking questions, but being nosy uh, it comes with value as well. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, people, I often watch janitors or at any facility mm -hmm. because to me, they are some very, very powerful and influential yes. people. Yes. At the plant where I worked, I was security, but my best friends were the, jan were the janitors. We knew everything. Yes. We knew everyone. Yep. We knew everybody's job. Yep. We knew their habits. Absolutely. And it's so it's so much being working your way from the bottom. Right. I started as a security officer. I was about to mention a few moments ago, in watching some of my leaders today, some of them have never had a uniform on. Mm. We had our, our annual retreat on Monday, and guess what? As I sat there listening to them, I thought, we're going to get uniforms for every one of our execs. I want them to understand what it really feels like to put that uniform on, go stand post, and greet our customers. Wow. And so that was for me, if I had to share some of the best lessons learned, it would have been growing from the bottom up mm -hmm. because there was no there was no department, no division that I didn't have to learn. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it brings a lot of value today because, you know, as, as the owner or the, the leader of your organizations, having that experience, you can look at a report. Mm -hmm. You can look at things in the field and identify where there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so that has lots of value. Now, I know that your first job on the air was in Augusta. Mm -hmm. Ta tell us a little bit about moving from a station with viewership at that 
at that point into mm-hmm. a market such as Atlanta. Thank you. So, I was so curious about that. Yes. So um, from Augusta, I actually went to Florence, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I was able to anchor the evening news there. And even though that was a small market, being the, the main anchor, I had a lot of exposure, um, more opportunities to be in the community. Right. And it was it was wonderful. That's um, a huge tourist yes, community yes. with lots and lots of people coming in exactly. and out all the time. So I can see how that would be like a an important place yeah, to be. It was a very good good place to be. And yeah. that's where I was during the Simpson trial. And I just always have a special place in my heart for South Carolina because gotcha. they embraced me. I never felt, you know, out there by myself. Wonderful. Um, it was very hard to leave South Carolina. But I think the other thing you have to realize on a job is when the right time is to leave. And in news, that's that's crucial. You should never stay too long. Um, and I think after the trial, I thought, I'm ready for something bigger. I'm ready for more. And so when I came here, I felt like, Um, I was never nervous because I felt like I did my job well. But, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles. I I was used to large cities. Right. Um, Atlanta's a special place because even though it's a large city, it doesn't feel like a large city. Right. It does kind of now. But until you get on the expressway. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) And so that's the one thing when I get on the freeway, I'm like, well, this is like being back home in L.A. because you can't go anywhere. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's such a delightful city. I thought I'd be here maybe maybe five years. You know, it's going on 20 years. You made 20, it your home. 22 years, yeah. And we're glad that you did. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I love being here. That's and great. my husband loves being here. It's easy to raise a family here. But I also can look around and see there's so much progress here. Yep. And there's just so much success. There's so much. There are women who are, I mean, just the fact that our, our mayor... Yeah. Just the excitement that she creates in the city is very exciting. Uh, and it's it's just wonderful to be here. And so I never felt like coming here, I didn't have the experience because I came from two smaller markets. I think that's the way to go. And you did a fantastic job when you were here. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you. I have a question. Go. Sure. <laughs> um, after your father and his team won the OJ trial, and mm-hmm. everyone knows that story. Um, what happened to you? So I, um, yeah, it was, a, I had a rough experience because I, even though I was very much supported in South Carolina, the verdict, as you know, was very polarizing and people were very upset. And I was still in a, in a small Southern um, region and people were very upset and they blamed me. And oh. so it was very tough. I had a Who lot of death threats. And I, my, my station was extremely supportive, and they took me off the air because they're like, you know, let's figure out safety-wise what's best. And I went off the air, I guess, maybe about a week okay. and just kind of laid low until things died down. But they never really died down, and that was another reason I thought, you know, maybe it's time for me to – because I didn't want to be a distraction. People say that, and you think, what does that mean? I didn't want to be a distraction because – Again, they're they're putting out a product, and there are other people that work there. And I definitely didn't want to jeopardize anyone else's safety. And it got to the point where it was it was a little difficult. It of was course, difficult. it was. It had to be. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure, like you said, it was a polarizing thing. It was. There were people that were very happy. There were people that were very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine having to pull that around. 
unwillingly. You just have to pull it because yeah. it's part yeah. of you know absolutely of their family. Um, but I think that again, you surround yourself with people who support you and uplift you. And my coworkers were fabulous. Yep. They were so protective of me. Uh, my bosses at the time. And our, our producer, uh, Port Wilson, was one of those uh, employees that was working <laughs> with you at that time. <laughs> Isn't that it's how full circle things come? Amazing. Yeah, That's amazing. And I'm, sit, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, I wish I could have been with you. Yeah. I would have protected you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm thinking she that right now. So, uh, and I, I, I want to share with you as well. Sure. I remember the moment. Oh, yeah. I, uh, my godmother lived downtown. I was out on an appointment. I thought I was going to miss the verdict. Mm -hmm. I ran to my godmother's house, and I've left my car running twice that I know of. That was one of the days. <laughs> my car. I was in such a hurry to get there. I left. I had my to put my coffee running. down. <laughs> I was going to choke on it, Mary. That Sarah, was so funny. The car ran three hours. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Down well, West End, Atlanta. <laughs> wow. No one bothered my car. I Good. walked in. I got in the door, and she said, "You're just in time." I wasn't in the house two minutes before the verdict came down. Amazing. Oh it was so meant to was, happen. Amazing. Yes, that amazing, was amazing. so amazing. So needless to say, when I left and the car was still running, it was like <laughs> it still was worth it. That is, <laughs> now, that's a testament. That is awesome. It is. Yes, that's yes. Wonderful. That's great. We're, we're rounding up here, but I want to ask another question. Mm -hmm. You're rebranding yourself. Mm -hmm. You're about to start writing children's books. Right. Wow. Where did that inspiration come Love. from? So I love, I just love anything literature. I love books. I love to read books. I just love to hold books. And I noticed when my daughter was born, the selection out there was terrible. And she, you know, the, it's just like. In what way was the selection terrible? Well, and this is not a knock on princesses because I'm a princess and I think there's nothing wrong with a girl wanting to be a princess if right. she knows she wants to rule her kingdom or queendom, as I tell my yes. daughter. So th there's nothing wrong with that. But I just, everything was just so, yeah. you know, I'm like, is this, the, is this yeah. all we can do? So I noticed she was like, what else is there, Mommy? So I was A like, lot. Well, what, what, yeah, what, what would you like to see? And she's like, I want to see kids, you know, flying through the sky, making, creating this, because she's very artsy and, and, you know, innovative. And I'm like, we can do more. But, you know, this was when she was really little. Now it's gotten better because women have said, okay, we're, we can we can do this. But I want to add my voice to that. And I think that um, as far as children of color, yeah. we still have a long way to go. Yep. Um, little girls of color not seeing themselves represented in, in fiction. Right. Um, so that's kind of where I want to. But I want to focus on just really easy themes, you know, like. The relationship, I would, I looked forward to spending Saturdays with my dad, and we would just go and run errands. It would take all day. And I was like, why does this take all day? And I, and I realized, you know, my mom was so much more efficient because <laughs> her errands would be, like, done like that. But those are the kinds of fun things that you realize when you right. hang out with one parent versus the other. Right. But we had so many adventures. Amazing. And so that's what I want to capture. 
And my daughter's the same way. She's with my husband right now, and I can't even imagine. He's like, even though she's sick, he's like, we need a Christmas tree. And I'm like, I don't think she should be out with with her illness. <laughs> but go ahead, you know, whatever. Um, bring it on. Yeah, bring it on. I'm she's like, hey, dad. Yeah, Get I'm a like, tree. Just bundle her up, whatever, you know, because we're all going a little stir crazy because right. she's been in the house for so right. long. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just like those are those are fun adventures that she'll never ever forget. Wow. So I want to capture that in a book. Wonderful. And finally, in closing, what? What tip would you like to leave with our listening audience? Oh, there's so many. I know, I know. Just send two or three out there that would certainly aid in empowering women. I think the most important thing is to always know you can do it. I think self-confidence is the most important thing. Wow. A woman can have. When you feel good about yourself and your abilities, you can do anything. It doesn't matter. You can, you can, you know, you can run a, a, a company. You can start at the bottom and know that you have the passion and the vision and the skill to get to the top. Um, the other thing I want to say is please support other women. We have to lift each other up. The one good thing out of, out of this Me Too movement is we have to support other women. Yep, absolutely. We have to be each other's backbone. And I think about, I was, I'm blessed to be in a sorority, so I learned these lessons, and people say, oh, sorority, but these are lessons that I learned early on, that there's value yeah. in supporting another woman, because you learn how to really love and support someone who looks like you, has the same experiences that you have, and it's so powerful. Tiffany, thank you so much for that tip because I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah, and important. I think we're getting better. Oh, we are. I think we're getting much better. That we unity, are. that camaraderie is just wonderful. Yes. And I'm better as a result of that yes, as well. Yes, I think we all are. Tiffany, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Merry Christmas to Merry you and Christmas your family. You we too. wish your daughter well. Thank you. We pray that God gives her experience recovery and thank totality. You, thank you. Yes. It's been a blessing being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. And we shall continue fostering this relationship Absolutely. now that we've that. connected. Same here. Thank you. Sarah, thank you so much. Did Pleasure. you have anything that you'd like to add this afternoon? A million things, but we got to go, Mary. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> okay. It's always, it's always so exciting to get here. And it's always hard leaving with such special guests. We hope, as always, that we've given you something today that you could add to your toolkit of being a better you. God bless you. Thank you so much. We're not gone. We just have to leave for now. So stay tuned. Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickincharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge.